He's back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, holding it down with the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It is good to be back. If in case you didn't know, if you haven't been listening or you're new to this show, I've been on an epic, amazing, perspective-changing two-week trip to China and Hong Kong. It was for a family reunion slash my dad's 80th birthday to celebrate we got to travel all over it was just amazing to see the culture there but also because i've only been to hong kong when i was really young is a way to kind of see my roots where my people came from just see the evolution the growth of china itself one of the greatest civilizations uh of all time and just seeing how they've evolved and uh how it connects to me it was it was just really amazing so i got to see a lot of stuff out there I also completely stayed off the internet, so I was just like, I'm going to completely detox. I don't care. And it was a good thing. It was a great thing. But also, you know, just some perspective in China, what was really interesting is, you know, the iPhone and Apple do exist in that world, but it was so crystal clear. They're not anywhere even remotely as dominant, as strong, because everywhere I'd go, I'd pay attention and kind of look at what phones people had. And I would say here in America, at least, you see an iPhone, it feels like 75 to 80% of the time, it feels like it. I'm not saying it is, but it feels like it. Maybe it's the area also that I live in. In China, specifically China, it felt like maybe 40%, 50% of the time people had iPhones. In most cases, they had a phone other than an iPhone. And you know, Huawei, Oppo, they're the ones that have shops everywhere where I only found Apple stores, you know, their signature retail stores in the main shopping districts, whether it was in Shanghai or Hong Kong where they had a flagship store. But then in other places, you would always see or you wouldn't see an Apple store and you'd always really see like a Huawei store, an Oppo store. And it was kind of interesting and neat to see just how almost, I don't, I'm not going to say invisible, but just how the influence of Apple isn't even remotely close and you know people don't care people don't care here in america we care over there they don't really care as much but i did see people using iphones so it was a great trip and i'm glad to be back and i gotta say thank you so much for everyone who supports this show that's you at patreon.com slash brian tong you can support the show starting at two dollars a month five dollars a month if you think i'm worth a cup of coffee for everything that i bring to you we go higher there's more benefits there's more access to content things like that But also, you get a completely ad-free version of the show. You don't hear any of this or any sponsorships when I'm able to get them. Completely ad-free all the way through. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tong. And there is so much to talk about. Uh, We'll catch up on maybe some of the big stuff that I missed that's a little older. But we're going to jump right into this and really get into the latest product rumors that are going right now. The big thing is everyone's kind of getting fatigued about the iPhones. Let's not start off with that let's talk about the MacBook Pro 16-inch. Now, the big news here, according to the supply chain and according to a new report from the Economic Daily News, Apple is expected to release an all-new 16-inch MacBook Pro coming in October. Now, the the news and kind of the buzz and whatever the brouhaha around the 16-inch MacBook Pro is getting fiercer. We're starting to see more stories about it which tells you, yeah, it was an idea, it was a thought that was probably happening, but 
as we get closer to this fall time period where Apple puts out all of their new product releases that September, October window, it looks like and sounds like this is going to happen. The reports have claimed it'll have a 16-inch display, LCD-based with a 3072 by 1920 resolution supplied by LG. That is going to be the big thing. Also, reports say that Apple is expected to also refresh the 13-inch MacBook Pro and MacBook Air in October, although that remains to be seen because while I was gone, there were some refreshes that happened. Apple got rid, completely rid of the 12-inch MacBook, uh, brought an updated MacBook 13-inch Pro with a True Tone display and the new keyboard, butterfly keyboard, which really just has like a new membrane and a semi-improved switch, but still falls under their keyboard replacement program. Reports have also claimed that we're expecting to see a new scissor keyboard, not butterfly keyboard, but a new scissor keyboard in upcoming MacBook Pros. That wasn't instituted with the current, you know, refreshes, whether we're talking about the high-end 13-inch and 15-inch MacBook Pros from back in May or the new MacBook Air and an entry-level 13-inch MacBook Pro with a touch bar. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But the big thing here is the 16-inch MacBook Pro, the rumors and rumblings get stronger and stronger. The rough price point that they're starting and throwing around is $3,000. So that would put it somewhere, ooh, as a portable option that would fall somewhere in between, kind of like a iMac, iMac Pro type portable or harken back to the 17-inch MacBook Pro, which was an amazing machine. Again, October, we're expecting to see this. We will find out more. Obviously, more news will come in as things evolve, or I guess you could say rumors until it's actually official. But keep your eyes on. The 16-inch MacBook Pro is on target for October. Also, you can't not talk about iPhone news. The latest reports, and there's kind of a, a trio of reports surrounding the new 2019 iPhone as well as, yeah, I guess what, the 2020 iPhones, if you want to hear about that. But the 2019 iPhones are said, according to a report from 9to5Mac, that they will feature a new revamped Taptic engine codenamed Leap Haptics. Now, it's unknown really what exactly will be different, but we've already seen the writing on the wall. 3Touch is expected to go away, specifically with the 2019 iPhones and iOS 13. We've already seen plenty of indications of just whole a long press is going to replace 3D Touch. So we're talking about a new Taptic Engine Leap Haptics. Also, the report says that the front-facing camera on the 2019 iPhones will also gain support for, get ready for it, da 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 Slow-mo video recording at 120 frames per second, if that's what you want, for the selfie camera. Hey, you got you got to do you got to do something with this new thing. We already know two OLED models, same size, a 6.1 inch LCD based screen. That would be the kind of the next generation of the iPhone 10R. Three models across the board. That's what we expect to see. Also, there had been reports from Ming-Chi Kuo, just to kind of summarize, because we always kind of throw little bits and pieces of, of this stuff at you over different shows. Larger batteries to accommodate potential two-way charging, wireless charging feature, like we've seen in the Samsung phones, and would also light a charge, AirPods, or your Apple Watch on the back of your phone, potentially. 
we're pretty much around a month and a half away now. What, early September? We're in July, August. Yeah, I'm maybe two months away. Yeah, a month and a half, actually. See, I'm doing my math. I don't even know what time of the year it is because I've been gone for two weeks. So early September, we could see this. Six weeks away, that's crazy. One thing that the new 2019 iPhones will still have, all reports point to the lightning port. I know you're like, wait, when when is USB-C coming? I, I thought it should have come for the iPhone 10. Well, lightning is still gonna be there. I think there's a lot of reasons to it, specifically how Apple can kind of control this port. Yes, part of it is it does make money through its M5 program, but it is smaller in size. Apple can, you know, let's say if we take their word, they can ensure the quality control of it. But, you know, the Lightning port still expected on the 2019 phones. I think, though, we are absolutely at a point where I look at my devices. I have an iPad Pro and an Apple Watch, and I now have a USB-C, you know, charging brick or power adapter because, and a MacBook Pro that's USB-C. So it's Everything pretty much is USB-C based, and I had to pay for all those different cables in addition, except the iPhone. And so, fine, 2019, it won't have it, but it absolutely has to in 2020. And the other reason why you put USB-C in there is it's going to be really the new revamped model. We've seen the images, the renders, we've heard the specs about this year's iPhone, and yeah, it's going to have the triple lens camera on the back, whether it's a black tile square, or you'll actually see those round lenses on there. I was gone when they released the uh, actual kind of mock-ups. I had a chance to get them, but I was gone. And so I'm like, whatever, like, you know, I'm not going to do it. The mock-ups, the physical mock-ups that people have been doing videos on, I don't know which one you like better. Do you like the one that just has the big old black square kind of a la what we've seen with the Pixel 4 renders, or do you like the little lens? I mean, it's kind of... I guess if I had to pick my poison, I would rather go with the iPhone that has the three lens looking because it it's like it looks like three dots instead of just a big a big block or a big patch. We'll see how beneficial those lenses are, but it, it's kind of a weird year where we know 5G is coming, most likely coming to the iPhone in 2020. USB-C is coming to the iPhone in 2020. The, yeah, they'll have a better processor. The other thing that is rumored and been throwing out several new features here is that, okay, you know, Apple's in now advanced talks to buy Intel smartphone modem chip business. We had talked about this when the whole Qualcomm news went down that, hey, maybe, okay, clearly Apple didn't have faith or believe that Intel could deliver modem chips in time. But with modem, with Intel working on all of this, could Apple then acquire their modem business and develop it out so several years later they don't need to be so dependent on Qualcomm and yes, Qualcomm's modems, absolutely superior in speed. We've talked about it a lot. The proof is in the pudding. I've felt it. I have anecdotal evidence. There's factual evidence that it is true. But Apple's in advanced talks to buy the smart modem business from Intel. That could ensure that they don't rely on Samsung. Okay, fine. 5G modems in 2020. Also, a new report claims that the screen on the iPhone what about the screen? Well, you know, there's a lot of phones that have kind of been pushing this whole new refresh rate. We've seen ProMotion on the iPad, smooth as butter. It is also variable, so it's it kind of differs depending on what you're looking at between 60 hertz or 120 hertz refresh rate. 
when I first got it, I was like, I was one of the champions that touted, we need 120 hertz refresh on everything. There have been phones that have done this. Um, the Razer phone, I can't remember if the Razer 1 phone did it, but definitely the Razer 2, 120 hertz refresh rate on an LCD screen. Well, reports say that Apple is looking to do that with the 2020 iPhone and is talking to Samsung and LG specifically. So now we're talking about 5G, USB-C on the 2020 iPhone, a 120 hertz refresh rate screen that is smooth as butter. And once you go back, I'm telling you, once you get it, you can't go back. It is so gorgeous. Then another report from Digitime says Apple's readying a 3D sensing rear camera for the 2020 iPhone as well. That could potentially give us four rear camera lenses, lens eye. So we have three lens right now, a three lens iPhone. 2020, we could have a four eyes iPhone. Four different lenses. Three. We know, obviously, augmented reality is gonna be huge, but it looks like Apple's reading a 3D sensing rear camera using a laser-powered time-of-flight 3D rear camera to really elevate their AR experience. And that's really what they need. We know AR kit's still evolving. You heard uh, my conversations with Romain. Like, that tells you everything we need to know about where AR kit is going and how it still does have time, needs time to get better. So there's just a lot of things happening where the 2020 iPhone is the iPhone to get depending on where you're at. We'll see how it all plays out. It's really interesting. Also, if we want to talk about more future Apple products, the Apple Watch. The latest report from Economic Daily News, Apple is apparently in advanced talks with Taiwanese display manufacturers to bring a micro LED display into its products as soon as next year. Now, we had heard reports about this from Bloomberg a while back. We know that the current OLED screen is manufactured by LG in the Apple Watch right now. It looks amazing. It looks great. But what's targeted as for late 2020, the Apple Watch would be the first micro LED Apple product, period, according to this report. Hopes with that it would switch to micro LED in iPhones later down the line. I've talked about it on the show a lot, but really the main advantage from OLED to micro LED, it's a thinner display. It also offers better battery life as well. And the actual pixels of a micro LED screen are more power efficient. They're also less susceptible to burn in artifacts compared to OLED. So you have those advantages. It's basically the next evolution of OLED, it's still expensive to make. It's not like people are making huge screens out of this yet. We've we've seen demos at CES of large screens from Samsung saying, oh, it's gonna be a micro LED screen. Okay, but we're not there yet, right? We're not there on a small device, but that's that's kind of the evolution that Apple wants to get at with the Apple Watch. We'll see, 2020, a lot of kind of really bigger shifts are happening. We expect the Apple Watch Series 5 this year to be an incremental update. So the 2020, they just changed the complete form factor last year. So 2020 could see the next big revision of the iPhone and the Apple Watch. In other Apple Watch news, they released watchOS 5.3. The big things here, ECG support extended for other countries, including Canada 
and Singapore now. In addition to that, I don't know if you all had checked this. I didn't even know this. I didn't even remember. Maybe I did, but you know, sometimes things come as a blur. Apple's walkie-talkie Apple Watch app now works again following the 5.3 release. So what had happened is they had actually um, disabled the walkie-talkie app about two weeks ago. I guess I wouldn't have because I was planning to go to China. They discovered a bug that could allow the feature to be used to eavesdrop on others. So they were like, no, we're not going to let that happen. They shut it down, but 5.3 fixes that. The walkie-talkie app is once again available for use. I used it a bunch when I first had the Apple Watch. I thought I was going to use it more. I don't really use it. There are basically two people that I'd use it with. It was my lady and then Gil, friend of the show. And then we kind of stopped using it because we'd rather just text each other. (laughs) And also sometimes you don't see when someone sends you a walkie-talkie, like you're not paying attention to your watch enough to instantly respond, so then it kind of kills the whole idea of it. It's like, okay, uh, am I going to text someone to say, hey, let's walkie-talk? Or am I going to walkie-talkie someone and hope that they see it and then we can finally walkie-talkie it? It's kind of one of those features that is really cool, but I haven't integrated it into my normal use because I just don't. It, and maybe it's because it wasn't working too. I just don't. Another fun little follow-up to the Apple Watch. Remember when we had talked about Johnny Ive leaving the company and one of the stories that came out about it was that Johnny Ive really wanted to position the Apple Watch as like a lifestyle fashion device and not and Apple management was like, you know what, we really want to position this as an accessory to the iPhone. Well, we know who went out with that decision. Really, what was the smarter decision? Make an accessory of the Apple Watch. I love, I mean, sorry, the iPhone. I love what the Apple Watch is doing. Well, a follow-up Bloomberg report by our friend Mark Gurman revealed some fun things about the development of the Apple Watch. One of them, um, and this was kind of part of a profile about Jeff Williams, who's you could say is like the second in command at Apple and is really, again, more of an operations guy, much like Tim Cook and could potentially be seen as Tim Cook's successor. But this is this is a fun thing. Uh, we know that Apple put out this $10,000, 18-karat gold Apple Watch edition. It was like the flagship baby of what they were trying to do. So reports claim that as for this $10,000 plus model, um, sales were, quote, in the low tens of thousands of units within just a few weeks after the first two weeks of sales. So pretty much they had flatline and they were dying because, again, who really wanted to buy a $10,000 plus Apple Watch, knowing especially that that thing as a first generation product um, you know, how how well could it be upgraded? So it was discontinued in September of 2016, just 16 months after its announcement and release. Also, those gold models to this day are stuck in Watch OS 4 and below, right? The processor can't support anything higher. So imagine if you were a cat that thought y'all fancy and bought the 10,000 dollar plus 18 karat gold apple watch edition so so they scrapped that another thing that they talked about that was kind of an interesting anecdote about the apple watch development and jeff williams role in that is that months before the apple watch actually launched uh you know they have to have people test these out specifically employees the device began having allergic reactions to the type 
of nickel used in its casing. So employees were like, uh, my wrist is getting itchy. I remember some people even still had that problem. So with early models, the Williams decided to scrap thousands of already produced units and restart manufacturing with a different kind of nickel. Another report talked about how the Apple Watch's Taptic engine was prone to long-term failure from corrosion. So Williams decided to give those few thousand watches to employees, according to Gurman. So at least keeping it internally, knowing that that was an issue, I'm sure they all knew because they're following this. And this is a first-gen product. Things never go smoothly with the first-gen product. Um, But it's kind of interesting, some of those decisions that he made, and they were savvy decisions as well. So I'm all for that. All right. Thanks so much again for listening to the show. This show is brought to you by patreon.com slash Brian Tong. It's a way to sponsor and support all of my independent content. Like I said, $2 a month. If I'm worth a cup of coffee to you, $5 a month, 10, 25, 100 at the platinum level. It gives you access to new content as well as we have some bonuses at each different level. And the biggest thing, a completely ad-free version of the show. But thank you so much for all of your support and allowing me to do this because without you, I can't do this quite honestly. So check it out, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's just talk about maybe a few of the big things I missed when I was gone. I was literally gone for two weeks. I got back uh, on July 21 back into California and the jet lag is still hitting me. Like I'm not completely adjusted. It's That stuff's real, man. I haven't had jet lag like that in a long time, but... I'm still pushing through. I got to power through for y'all. You know what I mean? But the big thing, right? Apple released a new entry-level 13-inch MacBook Pro that we had talked about. The big things here, the touch bar comes to the entry-level Pro. So now there is no MacBook Pro that does not have the touch bar. That is not my favorite feature of that MacBook Pro. I mean, it's my least favorite. Pretty. It. Other than that, though, it looks like the new MacBook Pro models, they look like the older ones. So you get an entry-level upgrade. Okay, that's fine. But I think the big thing about this is just the performance with this new MacBook Pro. It's equipped with a 1.4 gigahertz quad-core, 8th generation i5 processor, 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gig solid-state drive. The thing is that and you might think, oh, this is slower than early earlier models that were available, but there's newer technology in it. It's a four-core chip rather than a two-core chip. And some of the performance and tests found that it is rivaling older 15-inch MacBook Pro models with the touch bar. It's not even that far off with current 15-inch MacBook Pros. I'm not saying go ahead and just completely edit complex video on a 13-inch MacBook Pro, but it can actually handle things pretty decently and the pricing starts at $12.99 so I think ultimately as a computer you know for a student that wants to get into higher end stuff or just a regular consumer that wants to do a little more and get more juice it's actually a pretty sweet deal from that standpoint if you're in the Apple ecosystem and you're in you know you want to get that next generation MacBook Pro we also know Apple stopped selling that super thin slice like a knife 12 inch MacBook and they got rid of the previous generation MacBook Air. But what they did with the 2019 MacBook Air is give it a true tone adaptive screen at a lower price point. So 
It now starts at $10.99 if you're a student. With student pricing, it's $9.99. So it's basically like $100 down from its retail price when it launched last year. So those are kind of the two updates. A new entry-level MacBook Pro 13-inch. They got rid of the 12-inch MacBook. They got rid of the the old-school MacBook Air, and you have a new 2019 Retina MacBook Air. Does that all make sense? Yeah, just... um. Write it down in notes. Also, while I was gone, I didn't... This is probably the most important thing that happened for me. I didn't realize y'all celebrated World Emoji Day on Wednesday, July the 17th. Apple decided to share details on the new emojis that are coming to iOS devices for the Unicode 12 emoji release. Typically, that comes in iOS... I guess it'll be iOS 13.1. We have like a parachuter. We got... Uh, waffles we have you know more accessibility icons people um in wheelchairs a guide dog a banjo a garlic a flamingo an orangutan a skunk this this is a sloth a sloth guys even with those holding hands emojis you can now do like different skin tones within it to be representative i mean representation is huge so you can actually be decently represented with a hold hands emoji. That's that's amazing. I'm sorry, that's news to me. Also, as was World Emoji Day, and I hope you celebrated it. Really, I didn't know. I'm sure no one really celebrated it. Adobe released its 2019 emoji trend report, giving insight into some of those popular emoji characters that people are using. In first place, the crying, laughing face. The laughing tears of joy face. Second place, just the standard red heart. That's beautiful. And then third place, the uh, blowing the kiss with the heart coming out. That was the third most popular emoji. And you know what? I think I would love to just randomly sneak up on people and see what their latest emojis are because I think that really tells you about something especially if they have like the eggplant and the peach and the splash emoji. You know who you are, y'all sickos. All right, also in things that when I got home, I think what I got back home on a Sunday and Saturday was I missed San Diego Comic Con for the first time in like six years. But there was a whole lot of stuff that, although you might not think it directly affected Apple, it totally affected Apple. And the big thing, if you don't know where I'm going with this, it has to be about Marvel's phase four film and television plan. Now, I know a lot of you here that listen, you love things beyond tech. I'm a big geek. I mean, I'm a comic book reader. Also, obviously love all the films, Marvel and DC, okay? But Marvel rolled out their whole phase four with all these new movies and then series that are gonna be streaming on the Disney Plus service, right? Let's just go down the line and just get giddy about this. For the movies, we talk about a Black Widow movie, The Eternals. We have uh, Shang-Chi coming. Dope. Doctor Strange with Scarlet Witch and the Multiverse of Madness. And then you also have Thor, Love and Thunder with Lady Thor. Like People are finding out all of a sudden that, wait, there's actually a female Thor. It is honestly one of the best. If you haven't had time and you want to get into this stuff, Look up Jason Aaron, the writer, his run of Thor starting, I think, as far back as, ooh, was it 2012 or so? 
But his entire run of Thor has been just absolutely ridiculous. It's been one of my favorite comics for the past five, six years. But Lady Thor is one of the best stories that has happened in comics, period. And at first everyone thought, oh, they're pandering. You know, they want to be representative. No, Lady Thor, Jane Foster, the story is legit. But then when we come over here to the TV series that they're doing on the Disney Plus service, we have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have Wanda and Vision. We have Loki. We have Hawkeye and the What If series. Okay. When I first saw this lineup, not only was I giddy as hell, the thing that I thought about was like, dude, Disney Plus is already handing Apple TV Plus an early L right out of the gates. We still don't know when Apple TV is coming out. We still don't know um, when Apple TV Plus, what it will cost. We've started to hear little things about series that they're doing. Uh, Jason Momoa's series is supposed to, like, an episode is supposed to cost as much as an episode of Game of Thrones. Well, I hope they get uh, HBO-type subscriber numbers there. There's going to be, like, a new Snoopy animated series that has come to light. And then there are also recently, it was reported that they're bringing back Carpool Karaoke 3. All right, that's cool and all. Disney Plus is bringing The Falcon and Winter Soldier, Doctor Strange, uh, sorry, Wanda and Vision, Loki series, and Hawkeye. It's also going to cost if you $7 per month, but if you buy it for a year, it's $70 for the year. You're telling me if you had to right now, we already know people are only getting like three tops max, roughly three streaming services So you figure for most people, Netflix is going to be there. HBO is going to be there. Amazon Prime is just bundled into your Amazon Prime. And then you have Hulu, Disney Plus, and Apple TV Plus. And then a Warner Brothers is working on their own one. Okay. So again, let's say, let's just, let's not count Prime Video in here. Netflix and HBO. You got one more you're going to pay money on. What is it going to be right now? What's your first gut instinct? Hulu, Disney Plus, or Apple TV Plus? And for most people that are all caught up in the Marvel Universe slash ecosystem, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is an ecosystem, the shows on Disney Plus are going to complement and actually inform you for some of the movies. They outright said Wanda and Vision will inform Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Loki will follow his adventures when he ended up taking the um, the Tesseract and disappearing with the Space Stone in Endgame. We're going to see what happened after that. Hawkeye is going to introduce Kate Bishop, which is the next generation Hawkeye in the comics. So you're going to get that over Apple TV Plus like 99% of the time done and they're handed they're handing out an early l to apple tv plus thanks to marvel phase 4 on not to mention all the other content simpsons national Ge- geographic all the star wars content they're going to throw on that they're going to put up all the pixar movies and all the shorts like it's it's not looking good and i've talked about it and now we have more information that continues to pile on to the fact that this is just not looking good at all so what are you going to do I want to hear from you. You know, we had a bunch of interviews. I was gone, but let me know. We know, you know how to be a part of this show. Call in, use a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits, 
show with a Z. Send me your voice, your voice memos, your voicemails. I want to hear them. I got to hear them. I want to hear what you guys all think because it's, yeah. I'm putting my hands there like this one or that one. We already know where we're going. Apple is planning to also start funding original podcasts. Hey, Apple Bits XL, you want to jump in on that? Apple is starting to look to fund original content for their podcast app. Apple execs have been reaching out to media companies to discuss exclusive buying rights for podcasts, which would be exclusive to Apple. This is a report coming from Bloomberg. They don't have a clear strategy for its plans yet, but again, it's all about content, content, content. Apple's been funding it for their Apple TV Plus service, which is going to try hard. I know people directly that are working on content. I don't want to see them fail, but it's just not compelling right now. It's, you know, Apple continues to tout like, oh, we're going to, we've hired two people from Sony Studios that are going to help us curate and bring the most, the best content. And they want it to be kind of um, Academy Award nominee level content. It's just not that easy to do that and to say we're always going to have that, no matter how good you are. No matter how good you are. So I think it's kind of interesting that Apple's also looking to get exclusive podcasts to really kind of try and become, again, the place to go now for content. It's worked well with Apple Music from a standpoint of they have that power of the ecosystem that has brought people in and they are just such a massive behemoth. But I'm really curious after the first whatever trial of Apple TV Plus, how many people are actually going to be on that service? Because of the competition, I don't see it being that many. But I could be wrong. I could totally be wrong. We also want to jump over to some car news. And if we're talking about subscription services, you will not be happy about this. My boy Alex Wu sent me this article. He's like, uh, dude, did you see this? Well, I see it now. BMW is now planning to charge $80 a year for Apple CarPlay. That's right. a year. Now, currently, BMW charges a one-time $300 fee to add Apple CarPlay compatibility to your navigation-equipped BMW models. Um, This, I believe it's basically a 240-month membership, which is 20 years, which is the lifetime of the car. So that's currently what, what happened. But going forward, through the navigation equipped BMWs, that will come with CarPlay. You'll get no charge for one year, but following that first year, customers will have to pay an annual fee of $80 to maintain it. Are you willing to do this? It would be the first company to do such a thing. BMW is not compatible with Android Auto at the time. Uh, They have announced plans to integrate the Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa services into their vehicles but this would be, this is unprecedented right now to charge a yearly fee for CarPlay. It's totally contrary to what the industry is doing. It's a standard, basically it's like a service that's standard optional feature that would at least cover the life of the vehicle. Uh, kind of like a sunroof or <laughs> AM FM radio. Well, so we'll see if this starts a trend or not. But uh, come on, that that's a bad apple. Who's Oh, you bad, BMW. That's bad. That's just bad. All right, so BMW owners 
or future owners should not be happy to hear this. Also, if we kind of stick around in the car news, Apple is hiring former Tesla engineering VP with expertise in car interiors. Steve McManus, former Tesla exec for exteriors and interiors, has jumped over to Apple. This is what I find interesting is that there's been plenty of rumors about Apple. Are they doing a car? Are they not doing a car? Are they doing a navigation system? Are they not doing a navigation system? What exactly are they doing? The answer is people don't really know. For all we know, they could be throwing money at this car division with still trying to figure out what exactly they're trying to do. We've I've actually seen the real improvements in Apple Maps. We've talked about that. iOS 13, I think people are going to really feel that and start feeling even more comfortable using it as a default over Google Maps. And a lot of people that I talk to that love Apple Maps, not only has it evolved very well and improved and is not as far behind, especially with how they're catching up to a lot of features that Google Maps already has. But again, it's all about the privacy of all the information and where you're going stays on device. So Apple and Tesla have been going back and forth. Um, They continue to kind of hire each other's talents. People leave and go back. They make more money one place and they go back and they make more money at the other place. It's kind of been like this talent trade-off back and forth. Apple in the last year has also hired former Tesla Drive Systems Vice VP Michael Schwekuch. I can't even pronounce this. Schwekuch? Forgive me. If you if you if you can pronounce that, and the former Tesla chief vehicle engineer Doug Field, they're doing something with the car space. We just don't know exactly. And at the same time, I kind of feel like this could be something that could just fizzle. Those dudes could be making tons of money, and we never even really see the fruits of their labor because Apple can. Apple just can do the dang thing. And then in other news, before we wrap up, this is important. TV users, I know a lot of you. I got nothing but love for my. LG OLED's deep inky blacks. An LG spokesperson says that HomeKit and AirPlay 2 will be rolling out to 2019 LG ThinQ TVs, basically starting tomorrow. So we've already seen it roll out on Samsung TVs. We know that AirPlay 2 um, is coming to a variety of TV sets, but AirPlay 2 and HomeKit support will be coming to LG TVs. Also, we don't know the expected date, but LG had updated their announcement that TVs that were released earlier than 2019, um, it's a possibility that they will be getting AirPlay 2 or HomeKit, but not confirmed yet. So as of now, 2019 TVs this week will get AirPlay 2 directly through them. Um and the possibility is open for support. At least at first time, at first reading, people had interpreted that, oh, absolutely, HomeKit and AirPlay 2 are coming to older TVs, but uh, they put out a clarification that no, it'll just be to the 2019. So now I'm actually disappointed by that. That that makes me sad. So, you know, that's pretty much a wrap-up of everything going on this week. We do not have any voicemails because we had the past two episodes. I was literally gone the past two weeks, but I wanted it to keep on bringing you guys and gals content to feel like, hey, we keep on rolling. You guys support me so much through my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tong. So I am super thankful. So remember, call in, voice memo. I haven't talked to you for a while. I want to hear what you're excited about coming this fall, what thoughts you have. You want to throw some bad apples at me, by all means, throw them. And then, you know, we talked about the Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus services. 
Where are you leaning right now? Voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z at gmail.com. And thank you so much to my Platinum Apple supporting at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. Thank you so much, and thank you, everyone, for allowing this to happen. So I'm going to work on putting out a video this week. I'm going to work on getting over this crazy jet lag because it's real. And thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Be safe. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.